Would you like to exchange best practices and ideas to improve care, enhance operational efficiency, and address financial challenges with your peers? Becker's Healthcare is facilitating these conversations at their 8th Annual Health IT, Digital Health, and RCM meeting. You can check your eligibility for complimentary attendance at the link in the description. We are excited to welcome you in October. This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Daniel Nygren, Chief Information Officer at Maine Health. Dr. Nygren, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks so much, Laura. Thank you for having me. Now, I know we have a lot to talk about. There's so much happening in health IT, and especially with technology advancing as quickly as it is right now. But before we dive into my questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. Uh, I'm one of those unusual CIOs that also has a clinical background. Uh, I am a pediatric endocrinologist by training and uh, practiced for a long time, almost 30 years or so. Um, so I, I like to I like to always mention that and lead with that actually because I'm a clinician first, um, and it's only uh, only second that I that I do this CIO thing. Um, I spent a long time um, in my career at Boston Children's Hospital where I was a CIO for about 20 years, and I'm now in my third year up at Maine Health, which is uh, Northern New England's largest uh, health system, and uh, also serving as CIO there. Got it. Wow, that's fascinating. You know, and, and definitely jumping from that uh, physician and clinical role into CIO is somewhat common today, but I can imagine when you first did it 20 years ago, there weren't a ton of uh, physicians and clinicians becoming CIOs, or, or am I wrong? No, you're absolutely right. In fact, I remember early on in those uh, first years uh, when I assumed the role, I think I counted less than one handful of, uh, of at least uh, physicians that were also CIOs. Um, now you're right, there, there are definitely more, and obviously with the evolution of the CMIO role, there's a lot more presence of, of clinicians in those roles as well. But yeah, early on, uh, I, I did feel like a little bit of, a, of an unusual uh, kind of uh, person in the role, but it's been enormously helpful for me. In fact, I always used to comment to my colleagues, like, I didn't understand how they could do their job without having that clinical background that I was lucky enough to bring. Uh, bring to the role. Absolutely. And, you know, having that, like you said, clinical background and that um, experience working with patients and understanding how those interactions go, I can imagine is invaluable when you're thinking through the technology strategy and what's going to really work for the care providers on the ground. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I, I feel their pain often because I was a, a user um, as well as, uh, the, you know, the person in charge of rolling these things out. So I definitely could commiserate and, and understood when, uh, when there were complaints about things. At the same time, it was helpful in the exact opposite direction when there were complaints about this or that. Um, and I knew from working with the system myself in my clinical capacity that they were complaining about a trivial little non-issue. Um, and so I would push back on them. So it was, it was helpful in both directions. Absolutely. Well, considering where you're at right now at Maine Health, what are some of the big opportunities you're looking at as well as the headwinds you have your eye on? Well, the headwinds are, are ones that uh, unfortunately I think are very similar as you look across pretty much every health system around the country. Um, we're facing incredible uh, difficulties in terms of finances these days. Um, the pandemic did not help uh, in terms of, uh, of the labor situation. We've got labor shortages. 
Um, and obviously those in turn have led to enormous um, uh, salary uh, increases, whether for existing staff or for uh, traveling uh, kinds of roles to, to fill you know, clinical positions that, that we can't just uh, find enough folks for. So um, those things coupled the labor shortages together with the resulting financial situation that that, that has put us all in um, really are, are forcing organizations to, to be pushed into um, situations that they've not been in for quite some time, if ever, frankly. Um, and so that's obviously resulted in all kinds of constraints around, um, you know, our ability to, to hire folks, uh, to, to have uh, the right numbers of people on our teams. Um, and this is all in the face of an environment where the pace of change uh, continues to uh, increase enormously. So especially within IT, we're being asked to do more and more and to solve for so much uh, more and yet to do so with a pretty constrained um, set of resources to, to do all of those things. So I think those are, those are the, you know, the, the, the headwinds and, and the challenges that, that we and I know many other places are facing. Um, but in terms of the opportunities, I'll actually cite all of those things as potential opportunities for us, again, especially within IT. I think IT has the ability to address many of those things with respect to, for example, the, the labor shortages. Um, there's been all kinds of creative ways that organizations have, have used technology to, um, to at least you know, make their, their existing clinical teams more effective. Um, to be able to do more um, with the assistance of technology, or in some instances to substitute for uh, for the lack of, of talented you know care team members who who can do the job. So I do think IT has an ability to to help in that regard, and also with respect to um, other things, just in terms of rethinking overall workflows. Um, we've always done things in medicine in a certain way in healthcare. But that's not always the best way, uh, and especially these days where technology can help with um, reimagining uh, workflows and, and doing things differently, um, and in many ways more efficiently. Uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. So those are the kinds of things that we're focused on and um, the ways in which we're trying to address those, those headwinds that we mentioned. That makes a lot of sense. And as you mentioned, so many of those challenges are um, felt across the country. I can imagine many people listening at home, nodding their head and then thinking through some of their more recent uh, conversations with their executive teams. So when you look at, as you were talking through those challenges, then the technologies that you know can help support um, bridging the gaps that you're seeing and really um, keep the organization running well, despite these challenges, you know, what does that look like? Can you pull out one or two examples of ways that you're able to uh, support the overall health system and growth and add value um, to either the clinician or the patient experience? Sure. I mean, the, the obvious one that we all saw with the pandemic is the, is the presence and, and the um, development of virtual care, right? So this was obviously technology that we had already and yet it exploded uh, with the start of the pandemic and has continued. And I think um, what's interesting is to see that um, this is now no longer felt to be some, you know, um, um, esoteric kind of thing. And in fact, many organizations are using this in creative ways to solve some of those challenges that I mentioned before. So we're starting to hear a lot more about virtual nursing scenarios 
remote ICU kinds of care and monitoring. Obviously, care at home has taken a strong foothold, remote patient monitoring, all of these things that, again, were not new with the pandemic, but the pandemic certainly helped shine a spotlight on those and make organizations realize that they were viable adjuncts to the way that we had been delivering care up until now. And um, and again, with the financial pressures, um, more and more organizations are realizing that these these have to be the ways that we augment the, the ways in which we're caring for our patients, um, simply from a fiscal perspective. So that's one great example of, uh, of technology that we think is uh, incredibly valuable to our organization, and I'm sure to many others around the around the country. Um, you know, there's uh, there's other automation that we could talk about, uh, robotic process automation (RPA), and um, you know that's one approach to um, automating some of the more administrative tasks uh, that we often find our care team members having to uh, manage, um, especially in in some of the administrative areas. Uh, but also within clinical care, we can envision um, using some automation, automation to uh, allow our, our team to do essentially more with less with the assistance of technology. And of course, you know, with all of the rage that um, the last few months have brought around uh, large language models and chat GPT and things like that, those are absolutely going to um, figure more and more um, prominently within our systems, I think, as the technology matures. That's such a great point. And definitely, you know, looking at automation seems like the name of the game as much as possible. And then bringing in whether it's artificial intelligence technologies or anything else that will be able to connect um, patients in multiple ways with their care providers and the organization overall um, will just, you know, be so beneficial. Um, when you look at uh, some of those opportunities, whether it's artificial intelligence or automation, bringing that into the healthcare organization, what are those conversations like either um, with the executive team or, or with the, um, you know, departments and clinicians um, and, and workers on the ground? What are they feeling about all of this? Is there excitement? Is there nervousness? Yeah, I, I think I'm, maybe I'm uh, blessed in this regard, but I, I will say that there's an absolute excitement level and a, and almost a, 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 a expectation that we start doing this stuff now. And I'm not sure whether that's just because uh, it's been so prominent in the media. Uh, you know, obviously, folks are able to go out and try some of these things on their own now. And in many instances, it's a pretty jaw-dropping experience when you do try it. And so I think that's um, helped a lot of people sort of come to grips with the fact that, hey, this, this new technology is, is here and, and we've got to start to capitalize on it. So I do think that, uh, that we're, we're an organization that very much wants to adopt and is planning to adopt a lot of this tech. Now, we have to do so in a pretty responsible way. We can't do, you know, just throw chat GPT everywhere and think it's going to solve all of our problems. I do think the path to success with some of these new tools is going to be not a straight line, but uh, a one that's pretty crooked and takes all sorts of twists and turns. And, and so I'm quite confident, confident that we'll have some missteps along the way. Um, and we absolutely need to go in with eyes open. But at the same time, I'm absolutely also convinced that that these technologies are going to be absolutely critical within the provision of care moving forward. Um, and I'm sure in many ways that we can't even envision yet. Um, right now, obviously, it's uh, it's helping in, in things like uh, clinical documentation, 
um, you know, some of the ambient uh, uh, documentation systems that are out there, um, you know, patient-facing uh, tools, whether it's symptom checkers, um, you know, allowing patients to do a little bit of investigation on their own, whether it's um, uh, doing some automation with regard to clinical um, clinician-patient interactions, um, you know, looking at the burden of all of the um, secure messages that are going back and forth now between patients and providers and the burden that that's placing on them. So I think there's a lot of uh, opportunity for some of these systems to to start to play a role in, and uh, I'm very excited by it. I love that. I think that is great to hear and definitely something that, you know, will make it so much easier as the technologies evolve and really um, put them into a place where they can be working for you and for the betterment of the overall system. Now, as you mentioned earlier, I know that um, right now we're in a financially challenging time and having a hard time finding staff there. Some organizations might be going through burnout. So when you look at um, just the idea of, you know, continued growth as much as possible, what is one risk or investment that's still worth making, even though, you know, you have limited resources and every dollar is precious? I, I do think the one that, that we were just talking about, the you know, these large language models and the uh, sort of artificial intelligence-based tools, I, I think that's the one that if, if I were a betting man that I would bet on. Um, as I said, there's, there's going to be problems. It's not going to be perfectly smooth sailing. But I cannot, I cannot see a future in which some of this um, um, knowledge and, um, and technology is not used in a healthcare setting. And it, to begin with, it may be on some more mundane things, you know, some, like I said, administrative tasks or non-clinical um, use cases. But I think that that's only the beginning. I do think ultimately it's going to start to, to uh, have a role in uh, assisting clinicians in their in their care for patients. And so I think that that's the bet that I'd place uh, um, a wager on and that I think health systems should uh, similarly start to really take a focused look at. Um, I know that we are. Great to hear um, in, in just really fantastic insight. Now, I wanted to look just a little bit further into the future as well. Um, where do you see as, as being some of the best opportunities over the next two to three years for growth yourself as a CIO, as well as the technology teams that you're working with? Um, you know, this, the, the, the landscape that, that we're talking about here, it's, it's so, um, it's so exciting to me. Uh, again, I've been in this role now for about 25 years, all in all, and I can't tell you a time where there's been more excitement in the air about um, the role that that technology and and IT in general can play within healthcare, and in fact needs to play because of all of those issues that we talked about before. I think there's an expectation that that you know technology is going to help to um, you know, allow organizations to survive, to be able to function with uh, with fewer resources and to become more efficient. So, uh, you know, whether or not it's it's that IT is going to help with growth, or rather that IT is just going to help us stay afloat. Frankly, um, either way, I'm absolutely convinced that uh, this is a fantastic time to be within healthcare IT and. Um, as I said, I'm incredibly excited to see how the next several years unfold because I think we're at a, a key juncture in the use of, of technology within medicine. 
Dr. Nygren, I really appreciate it. It's been so fun to speak with you. And definitely we're looking forward to having you at our Health IT Digital Health and Revenue Cycle event in October. I know a lot of these discussions will continue on and with the technology, whether it's ChatGTP or others evolving so quickly, it'll just be fascinating to have um, those real-time discussions and see what everybody's doing. Absolutely, Laura. I'm looking forward to it. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks. To help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there. Mm -hmm.